Hello and welcome to Tips and Tales, Ski Racing Mania's official podcast for the week of April 10th, 2019. I'm Mackenzie Moran and today I'm joined by Ski Racing Media publisher Claire Brown. Thanks for the invite, Mac. Been wondering when I was maybe going to get the tap on the shoulder. <laughs> we figured since you're a publisher that you would be the first one called off the bench. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. On today's show, Claire and I will be reflecting on our weekend at the NASTAR National Championships in Squaw Valley, California, where Claire was a national pace setter for the event. We also had a chance to catch up with national pace setter Loren Ross, who was in town for the weekend despite her inability to participate. Ross underwent surgery a few weeks ago and shared with us some of her thoughts and feelings as she heads into the next stages of her recovery. So Claire, tell me what it's like being a pace setter at NASTAR Nationals. Sure. Um, So yeah, this is my second year as a NASTAR National pace setter. And honestly, NASTAR Nationals has turned into probably my favorite event of the year. Um, I'm a huge advocate of the program. I actually got my start in ski racing through NASTAR when I was four years old, and I know most of the U.S. ski team got their start there as well. Um, It's really the main entry point into our sport, and it's just a fun way for for younger kids and really, you know, uh, skiers of any age to get a feel for what ski racing is. And the NASTAR Nationals uh, is really special. It's a fun end-of-the-year celebration where racers from ages 4 to 90 um, come from all over the country and they can come compete against other racers in their divisions and age classes and also have an opportunity to race alongside Olympians and World Cup legends like AJ Kitt, Tamara McKinney, Marco Sullivan, Darren Rouse. And this year, we're really lucky to have Ryan Cochran Siegel and Tommy Ford join us. So tell me a little bit about the atmosphere and how it compares to other ski races and events that you've experienced in your time in the sport. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's just a super refreshing experience. The, the whole family atmosphere and the level of fun and the joy that ski racing gives these families and young racers is just an, it's awesome to be a part of. You know, at times it seems like the joy has been sucked out of the sport recently. So I think it's just a great reminder to all of us that ski racing is fun. And it's the reason we all started doing this and continue to do it. Um, it's, It's just extremely important for the overall health of our sport. Yeah, this was my first experience at NASTAR Nationals. And it was really cool for me to be out there because I also got my start ski racing via NASTAR. And I'm from the Midwest and there were a lot of racers out there that came from my hometown and my home area and skied at the same hills or landfills that I grew up ski racing on when I was a kid. And so it was really fun to be able to interact with those families and just share that level of stoke that they had for ski racing. And I think it was also really cool for a lot of the World Cup athletes to be able to hang out with these guys and get a sense for what the heart and soul of our sport is. And highlight for me was definitely the award ceremony. You were up on stage passing out awards for quite a while. Can you tell me a bit about what it was like up there and kind of what you saw from the stage observing the crowd and what the kids were like? Yeah, the awards are so awesome. It's it's actually my favorite part too. And um, they go on for a long period of time. I want to say they go on for like four to five hours because there's so many different divisions between Um, You know, the four to five year olds all the way up to the 90 year olds. There's family categories. There's team racing. Uh, They they just make it super fun. There's tons of different categories for for the 500 uh, NASTAR participants that were there. And, you know, for these kids to have their names announced and receive medals from Olympians and overall World Cup winners like Tamara McKinney. I mean, it's just an incredible life experience. 
Um, and I actually think these kids are super inspiring to us pace setters. You know, I think it was refreshing, a refreshing weekend for Tommy and Ryan and, and just a great reminder f- for all of us what our sport is all about. And, um, you know, it was fun to see them fully embrace the event and, and have fun. So, Claire, you race at a high level in the collegiate circuit. You were an All-American, but you haven't really skied gates recently. And you had to jump back in and pace set as one of two female pace setters alongside Tamara McKinney. What was that like getting to ski against an overall World Cup winner? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I mean, when you haven't been in gates for a long time, you know, you're like, oh, it's just NASTAR, you know ski racing it's like riding a bike but those same nerve you you start to experience those same nerves you did uh when you were racing and competing and actually i think that's what's fun about it i mean there's not a lot of other uh recreational sports you can do as an adult where you where you experience those feelings and and for me to be pace setting alongside tamara mckinney who's an olympic or olympian and an overall world cup winner i mean it was incredible like i was um you know, starstruck myself. And, and it was, for me, it was an even amazing experience. Um, and squaws the real deal, you know, they, they ran some of the, um, the platinum division on red dog, which they hosted a world cup there just a few years ago. Um, and then the other divisions were scattered across Julia's gold, which is the run just, uh, liquors right of that. Um, and it's steep and it's definitely in your face. So, you know, when I was, uh, you know, feeling some nerves. I can only imagine what the four, the four and five year old division was feeling. So it's cool. I mean, that's um, that's probably what NASTAR National should be. You know, it's it's a level above and it challenges you. And um, yeah, it was it was fun and a little nerve wracking for me. If I'm being honest. So on a less serious note, I got to say one of my other highlights of the event was watching you roll around with your Firebird. Entourage, can you tell some of our listeners a little bit about what that was like? Because a lot of the adult racers that were up at the start were getting super amped when you guys were rolling around with your speaker and your whole crew. It was pretty cool to see. <laughs> sure. So uh, I ski on Blizzard skis, and they just launched a new Firebird line this year. And actually, what's really cool, um, and it's a good fit with NASTAR is a lot of their marketing and promotion surrounding Firebird is that ski racing should be fun and you know let's not take it too too seriously so they're going back to their roots they originally had a race ski called Firebird um, a long time ago and so um, you know they like to reference the Firebird car and we had matching jean jackets and we were skiing around blasting um, blasting rock music and it was actually really fun it was a a nice addition to the event I think Um, all the all the athletes up top were getting fired up and um you know we had a i had a little entourage following me around we were trying to get inside tamra's head a little bit (laughs) everybody loves hearing some good 80s hair rock when they're pushing out of the start don't they yeah it doesn't get much better than that i I looked over at tamra at one point i'm like wait wasn't this what it was like for you when you were you were racing she was like not exactly but this is awesome (laughs) (laughs) that's so sweet even the pace setters were getting into it Marco and Tommy and everybody was going head to head like Ryan and Tommy were going back and forth in their runs and they were having fun with it and just setting a level of competition that the other racers at NASCAR Nationals got to follow so it was super sweet yeah I mean I think that's the 
that's really the highlight of it all is that the pace setters typically go first. So we're all crowded around and we get to watch Tommy Ford, uh, who's ranked ninth in the world in GS and Ryan Cochran Siegel go head to head. And it's funny, like I thought those guys were going to be like, oh, end of the season. This is low pressure. Let's just have fun with it. But they're like they're gunning for each other. They're going through the finish and whipping their heads around right away to look at the, the timing and see if they beat each other. So it's just it's just a great weekend of fun and, and some competitiveness and sunshine at Squaw Valley. I mean, it's it's like the ultimate end of the season. It's an all-around good time. I think for me, coming off the World Cup tour, I know you were traveling in the World Cup tour to this season. It was a really nice way to wrap up the whole year after the stress of the World Cup with the traveling and um, different competitions and just what it's like having to be in that big event atmosphere to be able to end the season on a fun note and remember what ski racing is all about was super cool for me too. I think it was also super refreshing for another NASTAR Nationals pace setter who was present at the event but unfortunately was unable to ski because of an injury Lauren Ross, she came out there and was on crutches on stage, helping out, passing out awards and talking to the racers and interacting with them. And I think that the experience for her after coming off of a surgery was pretty uplifting. And we were lucky enough to be able to join her in her hotel room as she was icing up after a day of hanging out at the finish and talking to her a little bit about what the next stages of her recovery looks like and how she plans on tackling this next series after she's had a couple of major injuries. And coming up after a quick break, Mackenzie will be back with Loren Ross. The single best way to support what we do at Ski Racing Media is through a subscription to Ski Racing Premium. From podcasts and World Cup race coverage to our wildly popular American Downhiller web series, Ski Racing Premium is the engine behind everything we do at Ski Racing Media. It literally keeps the lights on for us. Subscriptions cost $35 per year for unlimited premium content on SkiRacing.com, which includes full-length World Cup race features and many of the pieces you will hear us talking about on this show. If you are interested in supporting what we do, head on over to SkiRacing.com and click the subscribe button. All right. Now we'll get you back to the show. Hey, it's Loren Ross here at NASTAR Nationals in Squaw Valley, California. I am currently lying on the couch with my ice machine on my knee. I had a bit of a spill at World Champs in Ori this year and just got surgery 10 days ago. Um, so I'm kind of recovering from that, just here to hang out and cheer on those NASTAR racers. So back at World Champs, when you were doing your warm-up run and all of this kind of went down, originally you thought that you were going to come out with a little bit less of an injury than you did. So can you tell me kind of what happened when you woke up from your operation a couple weeks ago? Yeah, so it's been a bit of a journey since Ore. I guess I sort of expected to, you know, be back on my feet after six weeks. And then about four weeks after I crashed, I was still feeling kind of off a little bit. Like my knee was doing a lot of clunking and I started weight bearing, but it felt kind of unstable and just uncomfortable. 
Um, so I saw some doctors, got a bunch of opinions and, uh, finally figured out like seven weeks later that my LCL was torn. So went under the knife and woke up after surgery and it turns out I had a pretty large meniscus tear. Um, my tib fib joint was dislocated. All the ligaments between my tibia and fibula had torn. So they repaired that as well as my LCL and my meniscus. Um, my tibial plateau is healed now, so, but I'm still on crutches for another like five weeks. So just spending a good, you know, like 13 weeks on crutches, pretty awesome. (laughs) I can relate. I was doing 12 weeks last year and it's always kind of that tough part of trying to figure out how you're going to combat it mentally before you can tackle that physically. You've had a long career. You've had your fair share of injuries. Have you learned anything about how to come back? into the game on a mental note rather than just focusing on a physical note? Yeah, I think returning from injury involves a lot of different aspects of, you know, physical strength as well as mental strength and emotional resilience. Um, And that's something that a lot of athletes kind of forget to pay attention to is that emotional and mental side of things, including myself, Um, specifically with my last knee injury. um, Two years ago in 2017, I had a really major surgery on my right knee, had seven repairs done. and was expected to ski nine months later, but somehow everything went perfectly. You know, I worked my butt off in the gym, did tons of therapy and ended up returning to snow like six and a half months later. Um, but I kind of forgot to take care of myself mentally and emotionally. You know, I, I tried, I tried to deal with the crash and the pain and the emotions that came with it, but it was such a big injury that it kind of all just like washed over me. Um, and then I didn't really realize that I had neglected that mental side of things until I got to the Olympics, because that was kind of like the goal of like getting back super fast was so that I could get to the Olympics. You know, it's sometimes it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I had been once before, but like, obviously it's one of the, it is the biggest event in my sport. So I wanted to get back to it so badly. And I pushed myself extremely hard to get to that point. And once I got there, I was like, Oh shit, (laughs) I forgot to take care of myself, (laughs) you know? And I just kind of like broke down a little bit and had a hard time, um, having the energy, finding the energy, digging deep enough to like continue and have the passion for skiing. So right after the Olympics, I kind of like broke down a bit and had to take some time off. Um, and I've definitely learned from that experience and am going into this injury with a bit more wherewithal and a little bit more balance and going to try and take my time a little bit more and take care of me, you know, physically and mentally inside and out instead of just grinding to get back to skiing. So all in all, do you feel like that big push to get back to the Olympics was worth it because you walked away with a new lesson or? Yeah, I think the push to get back to the Olympics was worth it to me. I don't think I could have done it any other way. I think I would have beat myself up if I would have, you know, taken two more months to recover because those two months would have put me two months back further on my skis and that wouldn't have allowed me to even go to the Olympics. 
Um, and it was such an incredible experience that I think it was worth all the pain and it was worth all the struggle. Um, and it was worth, you know, the breakdown that happened after and all of the stuff that I went through and, you know, not taking time off, but I definitely walked away with more than just a lesson learned. You know, I walked away with that Olympic experience, which is something you just like can't replace. Um, and I, I already had that in Sochi, but knowing how valuable that was, um, it just really pushed me to get there, like despite all odds, I guess. So coming into this season, did you feel like you were still kind of carrying that weight um, or were you feeling ready to attack or how was your confidence levels moving throughout the World Cup this year? Yeah, I felt like I took some good time off after that Olympic season and I got to actually rejuvenate and replenish, you know, my passion and I was able to come back and be um, excited about skiing and be you know, stoked to go fast again. Um, but I was having some equipment issues at the beginning of the year, beginning of the season. And those really messed with me also emotionally as well, just because I knew I was skiing super well, but something was stopping me from doing that in in races, um, and in certain conditions, specifically winter conditions. Um, you know, my setup had been working really, really well all spring, all summer, all fall, and I was ripping. But once I got on winter conditions, like not icy, but hard, compact, grippy, winter, cold snow, everything changed. And so I spent the first half of my season basically figuring out my setup. Once I got that figured out, you know, I started feeling a lot more comfortable, feeling like I could push it again. And then I ate it. And now I'm here laying on the couch again. Back to square one. Yeah, back to square one. I don't know. It just feels like I had this build and I was coming back from my injury. And like, I was at the point where I didn't feel like I was coming back from injury anymore. Like I felt like I was back to my normal self. I got rid of my knee brace. I was feeling like I could push my limits a little bit and start going fast again. Um, And, you know, those were always very decisive moments when I chose to push myself and I chose to take those risks I think um, after so many injuries and after so many years of skiing, I've sort of come to the point where I don't do that every run. Um, But at least I knew that I was capable of doing that and I was comfortable enough to do that. So that was a really good feeling. So we were talking a little bit about this prior to actually getting the record mic on, but what is it that keeps bringing you back to ski racing? What keeps bringing you back to the race course? There's no other feeling like running a clean, fast downhill or super G course. I don't know. It's something that's inexplicable. It just feels like flying. Like there's not really a good way to explain it. I always have a hard time talking about it, but it's kind of like a meditative state where nothing else exists except for you and the snow. And even that, like even the concept of self sort of disappears when you're having a good run of, of downhill. I mean, I've often 
gotten to the bottom of downhill and been like, I need to do that again. <laughs> like that is my drug. <laughs> and it's just, it's so much fun. I have never been able to top that, you know, bungee jumping or surfing or you, I can get that state a little bit doing other things, but because of my skill, I'm able to reach this place in ski racing that I can't attain through any other means. And I keep coming back because I want that. Like I want, I want to feel like I am where I'm supposed to be. And that's where I feel like when I'm skiing. So what does it take to put together a great run in your eyes? Um, well, it takes a lot of things. Um, first of all, it takes preparation. It takes strength, um, physical strength. It takes, you know, mental preparation, a lot of mental preparation, which I think a lot of people overlook and, um, don't really understand that aspect, but it takes years and years and years of training. And like the 10,000 hour rule is probably legitimate, (laughs) um, in most cases. And, it also takes luck too. Like there are so many variables in ski racing that are out of your control. And for you to come down in the lead takes a lot of those variables coming together. And that doesn't happen very often. Um, I think for people who win all the time, they have this, they have the skill and the means to, you know, be really consistent with their skiing And somehow I think that that consistency and that, um, that speed sort of like allows for everything to fall in place for those people. But, you know, if you're not that person who's winning every race, it takes a lot more than, you know, just doing, doing your best run, having your best run, you know, a lot of things have to fall into place. So now that you're kind of back in this place where you have to take some time to focus on yourself, um, reflecting on your career, you've had a great long career. What are some highlights for you? Um, the biggest highlight of my career is standing in the start gate in Sochi, um, for the downhill. I just remember this feeling of like magic. Like I, I, it was like an otherworldly feeling like there was something else there that I didn't experience anywhere else. Um, it was the energy. I don't know. I mean, it was just so silent in the start yet. There was so much excitement and feeling like you're part of something bigger, part of a team, you know, feeling like you were having an impact on people. I don't know. There was something so much bigger about that moment than any other moment before. Um, and then, other highlights, I mean, obviously my podiums, my World Cup podiums have been pretty fantastic and <laughs> those felt super good, <laughs> but you know, it was, there were a lot of ups and downs that got me to those points. Um, and I really value all of those moments, you know, even the downs, like I think all of my injuries have helped me become better and helped me to develop my skiing I used to be a skier who would just send it no matter what, you know, like those young speed skiers who are just super sendy. That was me. And then I got injured a bunch. Um, and I, and I learn, I've learned so much throughout the years and, 
now because of that, I am such a better skier. Like fundamentally I am so much more sound than I used to be when I was young and dumb. (laughs) And now I'm wise and I am calculated and, you know, I take my risks when I feel like it's necessary or when I feel like it's worth it. Um, and I, I really value that, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a long journey and I value every moment of it, but there are definitely some, some special moments that stick out. Looking forward, what's next for you? How are you feeling going to this next recovery stage? Um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. Actually. I feel a lot more calm than I did last time I was injured. Last time I was injured, you know, I felt like I had all this pressure to recover really quickly. I had all of these goals throughout my rehab where it was like every week I had something I had to accomplish if I wanted to be on snow in seven months. And at this point, I'm not making those goals. I'm not, you know, saying I have to ski by October 15th, which would be six months after surgery or six and a half months or whatever. I'm more just like, I'm going to play this by ear. I'm going to do my recovery as well as I can do the rehab really well, work as hard as I can and also take care of myself. Um, you know, obviously we talked about how that means taking care of myself physically as well as emotionally. And I think that means for me, that means taking a couple days off here and there and like maybe going one day a week without doing rehab, which is not something that I allowed myself to do last time. So I'm really just trying to stay present and make this recovery and make it a good one and take my time and just take everything day by day, take it as it comes and hopefully it works out, but I'm prepared for anything. And right now I'm just working on icing my leg and flexing my quad and who knows what it'll turn out to be like in six months. So a lot of our listeners are young folks that are coming up in their ski racing careers and looking for tips and different strategies to take on these challenges that they face throughout ski racing. And you said, you know, being on the tour for so long has given you a lot of wisdom and you've learned a lot. Do you have any advice for folks that are going through something similar to what you're going through now that you can give as a takeaway and help them through their process? Yeah, I think my biggest advice would be to be kind to yourself and um, try to learn from everything. You know, even the moments where you're down and you're feeling like you're never going to get back up you can learn from those moments. You can take those moments and improve yourself and not just for skiing, but for your overall well-being and, you know, just to become who you're supposed to be to, um, grow as a person. I think it's, my injuries have really helped me to become who I am and to really spend a lot of time just, you know, thinking about how lucky I am and appreciating the small things and also just learning to be kind to myself. That's something that's really hard. Um, I think it's really important to be honest with where you're at, you know, you're in pain or you're struggling with this specific aspect of your recovery. Um, but I think it's really important to just recognize those things and step back and just, you know, 
say to yourself, that's okay. That's where I'm at. That's how it is. And I'm going to appreciate that. And I'm going to spend my time, you know, focusing on growing and using this to my advantage, because I think there's a lot to be learned from injuries. And a lot of people sort of overlook that aspect. Um, Like you can really, you can learn you can really figure out who you are. You can discover a lot of things about yourself that otherwise you would kind of overlook because you just don't have the time to turn inwards at other moments in life. But it's a, it's a really important time to take advantage of, you know, that space that you have to look inside and grow. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking the time to speak with us today, Lauren, and we wish you the best of luck with your recovery. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. That is our show for this week. Big thank you to Mackenzie and Claire, and we will talk to you all next Wednesday.